1: Thunder, Buddies, and travellers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WWE Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and powered by a large man appears.com. It's me, your comeback kid, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co host, the also returning Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you, buddy? What's happening? Can you
0: not
2: hear it? Okay.
1: <laughs> this is turning into fucking Lanzagrade audio now. You're playing music on the phone, that the mic's not picking up.
2: Oh, no. So oh, wait. Oh, oh no. Oh, that. I hear
1: it. Oh, I hear it now. Yeah, there we go.
2: <laughs> you ruined, ruined my bit. <laughs> Sorry, it's Brood Lee is and, here. Brood, brood Lee is here. Not just Lee, <laughs> it's Brood Lee.
1: <laughs> How have you been?
2: Broody Broody,
1: yeah <laughs> I hate to inform you that But I've gone to that place You've gone to that place I've gone that's, to that place I mean, that's why we didn't record last week Because, uh, like, uh, you, were, that, you were in that place I was in that place And a hell of a fucking commute to that place I mean,
2: Beth Phoenix was in the door At the room next door It was uh, quite the journey Yeah yeah. Um, yeah, that
1: place doesn't have Wi-Fi
2: I, I sadly, too, had to watch the Hell in the Cell match
1: Yeah Oh, God
2: um Aww. the best news of course is that they call it short
1: yeah yeah so, i i i did tweet that out of the account i suppose let's just launch into it um because <laughs> this is like it's only a few days removed so we're not as like completely outdated as we normally are but this is like our only juncture to to talk about mania weekend um and yeah the hell in the cell i i tweeted out when it happened that like i could feel without having talked to you the, the utter vindication of Edge <laughs> stinking the joint out again. Oh, it felt good. It, it really did. That fucking absolute sham of a man. I was, like, I was nearly in tears laughing at, one, them writing Brood Edge on the Tron, um but also, like, the removal of anything to do with the brood, brood apart yeah, from the yeah. word brood like yeah. no the music is the one part that undeniably was over they got rid of that he there wasn't was- in the gear fuck that mirror ball suit yeah there was there was uh no music there was no shades yeah there was no long hair yeah i mean like i i, I could have done without the shades that's fine
2: um there was no viscous red liquid
1: the, uh, the shades now, like older Edge coming out with the shades as he was last year uh, is very, like it's less cool young guy and more dad gets headaches. <laughs> Maybe I relate to that as a dad who gets headaches. Yeah. <laughs> That's a one thing uh,
2: yeah, Adam has gone for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, my god, Brood Edge and the Demon in the f- oh my god, it was fucking awful. I, I, yeah. Like, just bad. I, fe-
1: I felt bad for Finn. I I felt bad for him But I also was just like Jesus He's completely lost sight of I mean like That demon character Has never really been Like My My bugbear with him Was always that Like he'd come out In in, like the demon gear And then wrestle Exactly like Finn Balor Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't change it up at all Um, But I think it Reached a particularly Cringy level This time When he had like His Flares His face His face and graphic On his back Yeah as if we weren't going to... It's like when, you know, Undertaker would do his big ostentatious WrestleMania entrance and then a graphic would come up saying it was The Undertaker, which is like the most redundant thing in the world. It's like, oh, who else the fuck is it going to be? Like, Well, I mean, we should say that Ed showed up in his 1999 form
2: and true to yeah. form, uh, Finn also showed up in his 99 form with uh,
1: smoking flares and paint all over his face. So, yeah, yeah. I feel bad for him that, like, it's like two huge matches in his career have been like uh interrupted and the momentum killed by a blood stoppage um so there was that where like it, it completely whatever mystique the demon might have had to younger fans was gone by the the demon requires medical attention <laughs> line um but i remember i was in the building in dallas when he had that match with joe, joe which was yeah. going great and he got cut open and they stopped it.
2: and everybody moved um, yeah
1: Yeah, yeah, it was dog shit, like, because it had been great up until that. Well, Um,
2: speaking of dog shit, yeah. um, before we get into the wider scale, what did you think of WrestleMania in general?
1: I really enjoyed Night One, and I think that's been the trend since they've been doing the two-day ones. I can't remember the very first one, but I know definitely last year I thought, like god Saturday was a shot in the arm and it's like wow this is like some of the kind of like matches and results that I really wanted to see and then night two just screeched to a fucking halt with the exception of like one fucking incredible match yeah. the Intercontinental title match Um, I thought night one was a really good show like I'm not on the bandwagon with people who are saying like night one was the greatest WrestleMania night of all time. Night I think that's, close. I, I, I think that's recency bias in the extreme. Like I get bell to bell that X7 isn't like, probably doesn't hold up in terms of like the quality of wrestling on some of the matches. That's for sure. Um But yeah, I, I think it's recency bias in the extreme to say something like that. And I think the way the cage match rating for it has been dipping down steadily all week bears that out mm-hmm. um i thought like they they made all the right calls in the right matches up until the very end
2: yeah i i think um gunther retaining was really a tip off that okay cody's not winning yeah. <laughs> um because everything we
1: had heard was that gunther was being primed as the cody summer mm-hmm. opponent and roman was obviously going to disappear or whatever the plan was there yeah which I remember saying on the we did a for patrons, it's still up on VOD. We did a, a prediction stream and a pre pre show stream for Mania, and I remember saying is like I think it's best for all involved if if Roman took a few months off until mm-hmm. the summer, because even though like as Mark was pointing out, who uh, who did a very very good job uh, standing in your stead on the show. Uh, like I, I said to him it's like Roman's all over the place it's like he's not like he fucking wrestles but like he's an overwhelming presence on all their product like and mm-hmm. I, I think I think everybody would benefit from him getting some time off
2: so know? like coming out of Mania obviously Cody Cody fucking got embarrassed Um, yeah. but like e- even Raw was not what's Roman doing next it was oh well here's Cody and Brock and yeah.
1: Roman is now back to not trusting a noose yeah And it's like, it's, it is, it is plain as day that it was terribly inconvenient that Sami Zayn got over. Mm -hmm. It was terribly inconvenient that Kevin Owens is still over.
2: Yeah. Uh, Unbelievably so. For, for, for like the amount of shit that the two of them have had to put up with.
1: And Cody only got the spot because Dwayne was busy. Yes. Um, and it is also again uh, like I, not to to rabbit a flagship point but I think the more time goes on the more evident there is that apart from Dwayne there isn't a plan there isn't a plan no there's not there isn't because you had so you had Sammy who was the most organically over babyface they've had since Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. uh, or maybe Kofi with the Kofi mania you could argue but I would say all the I'd, way back I'd, since I'd Bryan I'd Daniel Bryan
2: yeah
1: um, you could have done the switch then or you could have held it off another month and have him like take a spot in a three way and just do the Brian thing again uh, with Cody Um, you could have done that or you could have had this guy that you were clearly because like he won the rumble he was clearly being positioned strong before his pec tear now he may have been killed to death in the booking if he'd been around all last year I maintain but that
2: if he hadn't have got that injury he would have been a nobody come to rumble
1: yeah, I I think, I don't know nobody, but I think maybe like Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he was, that said, I do think he was, I think it's if he hadn't been injured and if Dwayne was still busy, I think he was the solid B plan for if Dwayne wouldn't do Mania. Well, and he I didn't, mean, so they pulled the trigger.
2: I mean, Dwayne didn't do Mania. They yep. offered it to Austin. He didn't want to do it. Yeah. They
1: killed Sammy. Yeah, like the like and and I think everybody made that thing in their head where it's like, right, okay, I'm not happy what they did to Sammy, but look, you have two guys in Sammy they, and Cody, and you've picked one, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I just I just laughed, and it's because I have no I have no emotional investment mm-hmm. whatsoever in the product. Like I'd be really fucking mad if I put all this time into the roller coaster. Or into like just someone beating Roman, and now it would seem like it seems like a title change that has to happen at a WrestleMania. Like I know they've done a really good job in terms of like establishing SummerSlam as like the mid year some as the mid year WrestleMania. Like mm-hmm. I think it it is up to a stage now where it's its own. It's its own big deal like again. It's it stands above the the the, the like all the other pay per views except Mania yeah. and maybe the Rumble, you could argue, but really the Rumble is just one match. Yeah, they, you know? For two they, matches.
2: They they've really done a good job of establishing WrestleMania as but, one pole and SummerSlam as the other pole. And it's I, like I think they go from this pole to pole.
1: I think this reign has to end at a at a WrestleMania. And I think now I, I don't care what anybody who is like overdosing on copium this week says, it will never it, for Co- you could pick Cody or Sammy to be the ones later on to do it and it will never be as special as no. the chances they had I don't care what they do from here how they build them back up yeah. they'll never match what they had they, in February or yeah. this month they will be over and they will get pops and it's one of those things where because WWE have run off so much of their audience they're down pretty much to the people like no one's going to hijack a show anymore No one's going to cheer who they're supposed to boo and vice versa, except for a couple of weeks out of the year when they're in a couple of different markets. So you will get people who know they're supposed to cheer Cody winning if he wins it, or Sammy if he wins it, but it's never going to be the perfect... Like, it would have been the perfect storybook ending. Like, Sammy is the one that makes more sense for whatever you want to call this fucking bloodline story overrated bollocks. Um, And Cody, because of his own... Story and his uh, like narrative coming into it was also a great choice, and now it's just like it, the other thing is uh, Dwayne wins it. Like then what? He Do
2: you b- know what I mean? brings you brings it to some fucking movie openings or something?
1: You've given like the whole idea, and this is something a lot of people lose sight of: the whole idea of uh, that there's two aspects to it building up a long heel world title reign mm-hmm. one yes is to establish the heel as like you know one of the generation's biggest stars which I would say that like in so much as you can create a big star nowadays Roman Reigns is that for his generation whatever that means like he he doesn't he's not a household name in spite of what that one ridiculous tweet said this week he, he's, um,
2: he's talked about as a giant star but nobody actually buys tickets to see him
1: yeah yeah um so like that's one aspect is that you build the the kind of you build the the career the le- the legend of of this this heel, mm. and then it's also to that the face that finally beats him you've made them. Yes, that that's the whole point. And so you've completely wasted. Like if you go to next year in Philly and you put it on the Rock, or if you put it on the Rock at SummerSlam this year, wherever you're going to do it, if it's the Rock, you've wasted it. Mm-hmm. You've wasted that robe. Yes, you've made Roman a big time heel but like what's that achieving because like the biggest when you build that heel the the biggest payoff financially you're going to get is the person that finally beats him
2: one of the best modern examples of a great champion being defeated is Samoa Joe in Ring of Honor yeah for two years he he held that title or close enough to two years he held that mm. title and nobody could beat him and then Austin Aries, who had only come into the company a couple of months before, and people felt he wasn't deserving of the match a final battle. Mm-hmm. And he beats Joe. Yeah. And that established straight away. Austin Aries has been a main eventer ever since. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. And that's what it was. It was literally like, here you go. You have this awesome champion. And yet, this guy knocked him off. This is the guy that, for, like, could did the thing that nobody for the past 2 years has been capable of doing. Yeah.
1: The other thing I would say as well is just be wary that WWE like most wrestling companies are not good at booking what happens after a streak ends. Mm-hmm. So like you you name it like uh anybody that's gone undefeated for any length of time in WWE like the follow up is never good.
2: And what what was um, the, the thing Cory said? I think Cory said something that started the match something like uh, roman reigns has not been pinned in a match pinned or submitted in a match since 2019
1: yeah Mm-hmm. That's to get back with his new ridiculous.
2: teeth ridiculous
1: yeah yeah and i like that's you can't like you can't throw that away on the rock but uh, look that's 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 mania anyway and we don't want to
2: hey here, here's a good one what's the best match you watched over Mania weekend Eliminating the, the IC title match Which I thought was incredible Do you,
1: do you know what I would say? I, like, I, I would I would widen it and try and say The best thing I watched over Mania Weekend And it ties us right back into WCW nicely Was Conan's introduction at the Hall of Fame for Rey Mysterio <laughs> Say what you want, the man's still got it I have he not, might DM I have not you incessantly it. to listen to his podcast yeah. But he's still got it Um, some, Somebody send, send him this audio of Dave putting him over So he can slip into Dave's DMs it was great it was like it was like those hall of fames now are usually like really listless Mm -hmm. and like not enjoyable whatsoever and he lit it up and he was like he was he really made you realize um, the extent to which Rey Mysterio is like we're literally seeing one of the greatest to ever do it It, it, and it's amazing that like
2: you have people that go into the hall of fame and people dismiss or whatever but like Rey Mysterio is like literally in our lifetimes has been yeah. one of the best wrestlers of all time.
1: And and the fact that we still get to see him at such a high level, because he, like, again, we've, we've said it before on the show, everyone always says it, like, even before where we are now in the WCW timeline, he was told that his knees won't yeah. stand up to him <laughs> jumping on the curb.
2: <laughs> like, scary. Like, look at the yeah. different, like, by the end of his original WWE run, he, he was an absolute shell. Yeah. Like, he was done, finished. Like, this was,
1: God, like, the early 2010s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd say even say to the mid-2010s, he was fucking washed, like.
2: And then he disappeared for a little while, got some magic treatment.
1: Yeah, and some horse uh, placenta, Robin Van Persie style.
2: And, uh, yeah, like, he's just tacked on another, like, five, six years to his career.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. And, like, no one has or will get more out of the absolute... Harcus. Horrific awkward <laughs> bean pole that is Dominic Mysterio. Um this is the peak, so enjoy it. Um what was your favorite thing on WrestleMania week?
2: Do you know what? and it was one of the first things I watched. I yeah. fucking loved I thought it was brilliant. Um, um Mao. 27 Kamina, or it, it's not yeah. said 27 Kamina, but that's how it's spelt. Um, yeah. versus Chris Brooks and Yoshihiko.
1: I have not seen that yet.
2: Oh man, it was, it was like literally, I think it was like the first match I watched all weekend.
1: Your your Jim Cornette match of the week, I'm sure. Oh, it was so good. Mm.
2: It was so yeah. good. I'm not
1: like I'm not a DDT guy, as evidenced by, I'm not even sure if I got the,
2: the names of uh, the guys facing Brooks and uh, Yoshihiko correct, but.
1: Mark, oh. Mark Buckledee is typing out a tweet right now.
2: But yeah, oh God, I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's on the list to watch. It's on the list to
2: that, watch. That, that forced sure. DDT show, now obviously I, I skipped through, but that the opener and the main event, well worth watching.
1: Hmm. Shall we get on with it? Let's. Okay, we're back. We're back. Thunder episode 67 from Syracuse, New York, 17th of June, 1999. This got a 3.0 rating, down from last week's 3.1. This is a taped Thunder after a pay-per-view with five matches. So you know what that means, folks. Get ready for some fucking Nitro clips. Um, They they,
2: they taped this after Nitro.
1: Did they? What? No, they taped this before the pay-per-view. Oh, God. Yeah, which is why no in-ring promos. Uh, no Sid on the show. Um because he hadn't shown up yet. Mm-hmm. No one with a championship really. That's right, um, that's
2: correct. Yeah, not, the tag titles aren't anywhere when the lads come out for the uh Oh no, that's a, that's a Nitro match actually. Yeah, why didn't they have the tag titles on Nitro?
1: What's fucking wild is um like Booker T returns on this show. Oh he's in the God, like, theoretically in the main event, and it's like you have him come back, like obviously canonically he's come back after the pay per view because of when this aired, but you had him available the week before the pay per view and think of some of that slop they gave us in Great American Bash, like Why not do his return match on the pay per view? You know, and you could hype it up for a week or two, like Booker T's returning to action, people mm-hmm. that love it. Hot opener? Absolutely. Well, we'll talk about him when we get to him. Um Tanay talks about, and I hadn't made this connection, uh, that the psycho has been added to the out-of-control madness. So you've got mm-hmm. the psycho, you've got the madness, and it's, it's out-of-control-y. control I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> um, Larry, in this intro as well, talks about how much uh, Macho wants the belt, wants it more than anything. And I thought that was a weird thing to say because, like, uh, the whole thing Lee going into the pay-per-view and it, at the pay-per-view was that, like, he just wanted to destroy Nash. Yeah, because he, he hates Nash. If he wanted the belt more than anything, it makes him look like a colossal fucking idiot that he orchestrated a DQ finish in the world title match. the whole thing
2: was, macho, your elbow is banned. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do it anyway because I want to hurt him.
1: Yeah. 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 It it, it made no sense. You know? um,
2: Larry is totally checked out at this point, we should say.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's been checked in since, like, oh, maybe the first few episodes when he was feuding with Scott Hall. Mm -hmm. Um he has he and uh, I think I don't want to say Tanay has a poor night but I want to say Larry dragged him to a poor yeah, night here they weren't, um, they weren't
2: great I have to say like obviously we haven't watched an episode in a while Yeah. Um. and I hear Taney open the show I was like oh yeah fuck I forgot Taney is the, uh, the, color com- or the the lead commentator now and then I went oh yeah that means Larry is the the fucking yeah. the colour guy now I like,
1: oh. also and we'll get to it when we, we talk more Nitro because there are extensive pieces of Nitro on this show. There's been a change-up on Nitro yeah. where Bischoff is just back on commentary now.
2: I Listen, I'm into it.
1: And he's... You know, that's the thing is that he doesn't, at least in the clips we saw, doesn't seem to be like smarmy heel Bischoff. He's the, tor- he's the torture. Yeah, yeah, so yeah whatever do you know what I mean like it's like again it's better than Larry doing double duty in my head
2: canon it's because our uh, Shivani and Heenan have such a shit relationship now that Bischoff has to be on the air to keep them on track
1: as a literal buffer between the two of them yeah possibly Um, we go straight to a a match for once and it's um, it's the West Texas Rednecks of Kurt Hennig and Big Bob Cum versus the Texas Hangmen Texas Hangman 1 and Texas Hangman 2 Texas
2: Never identified as Which They're just one of the hangmen
1: Yeah they're not like the Vianos uh, Which we extensively spoke about On I think our last show Where they have the indicating marks On their tights Nope
2: Well not to you They're all the same obviously Oh Um, Jesus Christ So do you think the Texas hangmen Are any relation to the Virginia hangman?
1: Yes Well their surname is hangman Distant cousins maybe? Yeah yeah that's they come from the family they're not hangmen. That's the, that's a popular misconception, is that they're they're from the family. But hangman. the the, the force man, yeah, the they, they ha- are hangma- yeah. hangmans. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they didn't like execute people, they were just, you know, doing fairly well for themselves. They're re- really good at words. Yeah, the Texas Hungmen. Um <laughs> I will say their gear is looking like it was cinched in about five percent this time, so it wasn't like it's still shit. Yeah. Like um, but it's not quite as baggy as it was on the last one. And I think they've changed their masks, haven't they? The masks have been upgraded. They look slightly different, already. yeah. Yeah. So, like, the masks look a bit better. Uh, either the gear's a bit tighter or they're a bit fatter. I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? Could have went either um, way. Yeah, but, like, still a very much, like, there is absolutely no hope that anyone in this crowd are, are buying... Anyone else winning this match apart from the West Texas Rednecks? Uh, let's talk for a second about this Syracuse crowd. Yes, let's. This is one of the wor- like I-, I don't remember it being this bad on Thunder Sixty Six. I I think to Syracuse's credit, I will say this is largely WCW's fault. But I have never, in the whole run of this program, seen uh, a deader crowd.
2: Yeah, and like this is probably the f- the worst instance we've seen of empty chairs on the hard camera
1: yeah a this lot was of like,
2: people were gone
1: this was genuinely like shockingly poor in terms of crowd reaction because like even like even on shows we've watched where like the the action is shit and you have no star names or anything like that people still pop for like entrances mm-hmm. and finishers and sometimes for like promo segments and stuff like this but like I mean, with the exception of Booker T, maybe. And even and he got a
2: very muted reception.
1: Yeah, they were given nothing. And it wasn't like... So if this was a one-off and we hadn't just seen a Thunder from here, I'd be like, okay, maybe like it's a badly mic'd crowd or something like hmm. that. But one, this wasn't the case on Thunder 66. And two we can visibly see the crowd not giving a shit. Yeah, like, they, who, they, the, the people who are there. Like, it's a good thing they don't have phones, because literally the whole crowd would have been, like, down
2: looking at their phones.
1: Yeah, and they definitely, like, this is one of those, I often wonder when we watch the taped ones, Is like, oh, were these matches that were, like, put at the start of the taping? Were they put at the end of the taping? There is no mistaking that this was, they had already easily they sat seen, through two plus hours. yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, this was, like, uh, this is one where, like, if I look back at the quality of ac like, if I'm WCW, and I looked at the quality of action on this taping, and I looked at the way the crowd was, I'd genuinely be considering, like, airing a best of.
2: <laughs> like, this does... Well, it- I mean, it- they kind of did.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. Um, the it, Like, the way the crowd were, and, like, how bad the show was, did absolutely no one any favours. Um, I don't think. Um, it was yeah, it was very disappointing. Now I will say the action they got throughout the whole show
2: really didn't deserve much of a reaction.
1: No, no, that's that's again, it's like it's it, WCW. It's hardly like they came out and they fucking knocked it out of the park to silence, like putting on a you know like a, a pay per view quality card and just mm-hmm. getting nothing off this crowd who were sitting on their hands. No, like they delivered bad and they got bad back in return. So I, I only have limited sympathy. Um, there's, like, there's a brief moment, like, at the start of this match where, uh, Hennig and, uh, Texas Hangman number one, uh, decide they're gonna do some holds and some wrestling exchanges, and it's not bad for, like, a minute or two. Um, and then Big Bob come comes in, and I, I actually thought that this was gonna end in about, like, 90 seconds, because as soon as he comes in, like, he just starts slugging away at both of the Hangmen, and I thought, okay, like, they're already building to the finish here. Um... So, uh, Hangman cut him off in the corner and then start choking Duncan with a bull rope, and that's like where I started. Um, and I, I tweeted something out about this, where I was just like, "Who are the heels in this match?" Yeah, that that's kind of my big takeaway on this. Like, the uh, West Texas Rednecks are being kind of presented as faces. Yeah, even though in their feud with Conan and Ray, Conan and Ray are definitely faces.
2: Yeah, but they're not exactly the the Rednecks aren't exactly heels to the WCW crowd. Mm. And that's an issue. Like I know it's I know event. I know it's a wider issue with this feud anyway, considering yeah. where and a, lot this of, company. a lot of the WCW, you know, events take place. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, no like it, it's very much
1: that Henning and Duncan are the faces here. Are are Hennig and Nash boys? I don't know. I don't know what the relationship is there. I don't know. Just because that that was, like, something that was in the back of my head. Is it a thing where they're being kind of portrayed as baby faces because him and Nash are tight and Nash still has the book? I don't know. Um, like, it's purely speculation on my part. Um, yeah, and it doesn't help that, like, it frustrates me so much that, like, I, I think in 98, our big bugbear uh, at the tag division was the, the tag titles. Mm-hmm. Being like uh, disregarded, hotshotted around, being defended by one person, being on Judy Bagwell, things like that. But now in 1999, I think the thing that's really streamed past it for me in terms of critique of the tag division is that the idea of tag psychology, they're finding new ways to break it. Yeah. And this was a thing where the team that are like, I mean,. Like you said, they're not really being portrayed as heels, but they should be in the West Texas Rednecks. Are now in a position where Bobby Duncan is getting illegally choked out behind the referee's back by the Texas Hangmen. Who, like, I'm not saying Texas Hangmen are supposed to be these valiant baby faces in the match, but like, they're literally supposed to be here for the heels to beat around. Yeah. They're supposed to be like hapless jobbers. They, they, they should be treated as jobbers, really. Like, they're literally a lower Saturday night level team. Yeah. Um, so, so, so now bear that in mind. That like from that spot, that is in traditional psychology in the ring, that communicates to you that the Texas Hangmen are heels, there. and the West Texas Rednecks mm-hmm. are baby faces. Bear that in mind, okay. because in a couple of sentences' time, that's going to be upended. But you're going to say something there.
2: I was. I was just having a quick think about it. Um, obviously, Scott Hall and Curt Henning would be boys going back to the AWD, AWA days. Yes. So I'm pretty sure, obviously, Nash and Henning must have had some kind of relationship. So
1: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's probably safe to say. Uh, Hangman 2 telegraphs a back body drop. Oh, this was, like, pathetic from Bobby Duncan. So he telegraphs a big back body drop, and Duncan can't decide if he's going to counter it with, like, a kick to the midsection or a clothesline. And he kind of half-heartedly does one than the other. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's one of the most awkward... Like, he kind of just, like, caresses him with his foot and then does, like, one of the most awkward badly positioned clotheslines you've ever seen. Like, a badly positioned clothesline to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you found out after the case that Bobby Duncan, like, tore a muscle or something while throwing the arm, because it was just so unnatural awkward, the way he yeah. did it. Like, no one with the basics of training should be doing a clothesline like that. Um... Uh, so Hennig comes in hits a running snapmare throws one of the hangmen into their corner and now they use the bull rope to mm-hmm. choke out a Texas hangman see behind there, the referee's back there was two back.
2: bull ropes one in each corner
1: yeah and that was even like so just in case that's I, I should rewind to when the first bull rope swap was done in case you were mistaken in thinking that the West Texas Rednecks were definitely baby faces Tenae during that spot said hey, normally these are the guys that are doing that behind the referee's back, you know, but not in a way that goes, hey, it takes their own medicine, more just like pointing out as like, hey, these guys are, you know, fucking dipshits as well. Um, we get tag, Duncan hits a power slam, tags out again, uh, Hennig back in, hits the Hennigplex and wins. Um, did you notice something interesting about the end of this match, Lee?
2: Was it Kurt Henning's little bounce
1: before he did the Hennigplex? There was that, that was great. I love loved that. <laughs> No, it was after the match, right? So their music starts playing, and Hennig starts sexy dancing, which is worth looking back at, thrusting away. And the whole time the music is playing, and they actually did, did a little... Today mentioned it in their intro as well, where, like, the music starts playing, and he goes, wait until you hear this singing start. It's unmistakably Kurt Hennig singing about how rap is crap. And it was only during them playing the music again after they won that I realised the music they were playing was not Rappers Crap no it wasn't it was like some generic entrance music it was the music the two of them had for a few weeks before Rappers Crap and it didn't sound like it was dubbed over it sounded like somebody in the booth just genuinely switched out the songs and Tanae was so turned off he yeah, didn't realise he didn't realise yeah because uh, like he was really hamming up like you were about to hear Kurt's voice any second Yeah, now, Lar- and it just never happened the bit was that Larry hadn't heard it yet <laughs> Yeah. And they kept playing that up. And he continued to not hear yes. it. Um so then Ray and Conan run out just as they're uh, they were like Hulk hog tying one of the hangman. Yeah. Uh Rough Rider on Duncan and a face buster on Hennig. The heels bail, but in spite of the fact they were hit with two of the guys' signature moves, they're still like going up the ramp and celebrating. True. Not a bother on them. True heels. Uh we get a, a flashback to the bash or a bash back, if you will. Uh, This is Flair versus Piper, uh, and I thought I was in my own personal circle of hell having to watch this again. Um, You see Flair cutting a promo on Nitro after the match saying, Roddy, for 20 years we have fought, and I thought to myself, well, it sure feels like it. Um, Flair offers Piper the vice presidency, which he accepts. Dean Malenko then came out to speak on behalf of all the young guys in the company. He says, Wayne Gretzky and John Elway. They stepped aside. They pass the torch. That's class. Flair then outright refuses to pass the torch. And then Flair, Aaron, and Piper beat him down. Buff makes the save, but he gets outnumbered. Uh, Saturn and Benoit then you see get cut off backstage by the Jersey Triad. Now, I thought, I don't want anything to do with this Flair and Piper situation. But I thought, in as much as they showed us a replay from Nitro that builds to a match that they would then later show us from Nitro I thought yes now, also on Nitro it would have been like the actual thing to do would have been to build to a match that they're going to have on Thunder Um, but at least you're seeing a peek over at Nitro that at least there's some sort of storyline progression mm-hmm. so like I mean it's something isn't it Lee? I mean
2: I think the worst part of it all is one you have Dean Malenko to go out and do the speaking on behalf of this unit or the, yeah. these young guys <clears throat> And then the one that you're pushing the hardest is Buff Bagwell. Who mm. was literally in the NWO oh I don't know three months ago.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. WCW everyone. Um our next match was Scotty Riggs versus the Disco Inferno. And I started, I think, about ten minutes or not ten minutes, sorry. It felt like ten it minutes. It felt like ten minutes. But about ten seconds into this match, I was in tears laughing. Because the bell rings and these guys do like this stalling staring thing at each other like genuinely like they thought they were Hogan and Rock a few years later Wrestlemania like they were doing a stand facing each other can you feel this yeah, moment this, this to, epic clash yeah a match that sounded like it was happening in a fucking crypt and the two of them are just stalling with each other Um,
2: I don't know the, the thing I noticed at the start of this match was Larry uh, shitting all
1: over all of the young talent in WCW so this is the this is the, the the main talking point that carries through pretty much all five matches on this show. Like, they are talking about it all night. Mm-hmm. Is this thing that we picked up on last week with Larry where, you know, they're doing the bit with Flair and with Piper where the young guys are being held down by the evil president of the company. And, like, that is the way that you should be seeing things. But Larry, who isn't outwardly a heel commentator no. at this point... Um, but just exclusively in the context of talking about this one thing, which makes me feel like it's just a thing he believes in, uh, says that, like, he doesn't think any of these young people fucking deserve it. And I was like, we're not going to pass the torch to you. you. Fucking take the torch. You don't, you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. Uh, like absolutely burying them. And he does it over and over and over again in this show. And God bless Tanae. Like, I'm sure Tanae, as probably a fan of Larry Zabisco and as somebody who is, like, still cutting his teeth, on national television as a, a full-time announcer doesn't want to be just like obstreperous with him mm-hmm. doesn't want to be like you know really calling him out or anything like that so he kind of just lets it all slide like he'll say something about how great the young guys are and then larry will go on for 30 seconds fucking slating them and then tonight be like right okay uh, and then move <laughs> on he just does the michael call thing of tag <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the impression you're left with as, like, a, a person who, you know, isn't inside baseball, if you're just watching this show, mm-hmm. the way that dynamic works out is, like, Tane goes, these young guys are good, and, and like, then Zabisco, like, categorically just, shuts down the idea that these young people are good. So the impression you're left with is, like, oh, these young people must be fucking dog shit. Yeah. And if, if they're saying this, and you're watching a Scotty Riggs versus Disco Inferno match, you're thinking, this Larry guy has a fucking point. And
2: la- Larry repeatedly, many, many times... Puts himself on the same level as Flair and Piper. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Always working. Mm-hmm. Always working. Um one thing I will say, and it is, you know, only occasionally that I will say it. I feel like Disco was trying. Yeah. I, I feel like he I feel like he was actually trying to have a decent match here. I, I think um, at this
2: point in his run he he is legitimately trying to not not to reuse the same word again, but Liv
1: is his character as a wrestler. The problem with this is one, he's not that good. No, and two, Scotty Riggs is so awful. It would take somebody twice the wrestler of him to carry, and maybe more, to carry Scotty Riggs to a compelling TV match. And also, his
2: name is still Disco Inferno.
1: Yeah, um, and this is the thing. Like you said, there is this while in 1999 where he's trying to like go legit, for want of a better term. But, like, by the end of this year, and it may not even be as late as the end of the year, like, he's realized that that is a sunk cost and just goes way the other oh, way. Oh, he
2: he totally leans into the angle at the end of the year. And it's great. Don't, like, don't get me wrong. Like, the, I love the stuff that happens with yeah. Disco and the, the Mamelukes. I love all that stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So this is this is a really bad match. Uh, Riggs is, as bad as Riggs is selling, he is fucking off, on offense, on offense. Oh my god
2: like totally no fire nothing at all to anything he did in this match
1: and almost to disco's credit you can tell that like he's not even going to give riggs the courtesy of like a full valiant Va- babyface comeback like literally the entire comeback in this match is like riggs comes off the top with an axe handle uh disco good punch disco does the bit yeah, he does the bit where he sidesteps and good punches and then mm. just hits a last dance. You know, which th- again, I'm still annoyed it's not called the chairbuster anymore. Yeah,
2: th- this goes last dance, it's always so awkward because he throws the boot with the left foot and
1: yeah.
2: then does the stunner with the right hand side of his body.
1: Yeah. And it's very again, awkward. Again, it's it's just goes to show that like as simple as the stunner seems, like it's like a bad wrestler can even fuck a stunner up. Mm. You know what I mean? Um so that's the end of that. Uh, then we get Master P flashback, exclusively. Uh, we get to see a press conference. It's been a while since we've seen one of them. Um, now, I will say, right, I don't like the whole Master P and WCW thing, because I have no nostalgia for Master yeah. P as as a thing. We I think we talked about that when he showed up first, mm-hmm. that he wasn't really a thing over here. Not at all, that I recall. Now, it seems like for a very short period of time, he had a very significant... Cult- significant cultural impact Mm -hmm. in the States. So I get the nostalgia for him, but like we're coming into this with completely fresh eyes. And I do think, Lee, I I will give this to everybody involved. I think Master P is genuinely a fan. And I think he genuinely wants to try and like bring eyes to what he's doing.
2: I think it came out in the Nitro book. I don't think he was a fan per se growing up, but he is from... New Orleans, legitimately, mm. and obviously yeah. a strong wrestling presence in that city. Yeah. When he would have yeah. been grown up with Mitsou and stuff, yeah. so well, I have no doubt he had watched professional wrestling and was yeah. aware of I'll, professional wrestling.
1: I'll put it this way then: I, I, you know, I stand corrected, but I will, I will put it this way: he makes it come across yes. like he isn't above wrestling; he, that he genuinely respects interested. it. Yes, yes. Um, and the other thing I will say is that WCW. Are making a huge deal Mm -hmm. in
2: this. They're trying. And they should. I have to say. Both sides are trying.
1: Yes. And Uh, look. We will talk next week. Because we're going to. A Knights of Nitro. After this. And it's the Master P Nitro. uh, In New Orleans. I I think. The most
2: misguided part. Is they thought. They could get Swole over. Yeah. And that's probably. One of the biggest flaws. Now I know Master Mm. P. Doesn't really stick around much. Um. But I, like, neither does swole really i do know that like i i know exactly where you're coming from with of he's definitely interested because like the whole idea of master p and the no Limit soldiers was they were involved in everything like look at the, the list yep. that they ran down last week there was literally mm-hmm. everything in the world he could possibly get the no Limit soldiers involved in he he was there so i have no doubt he wanted yeah. this to Smart be successful guy.
1: Um, yeah, like that's the thing. Like he doesn't want to attach his name to something that's less than. Mm-hmm. Um so he's gonna try really hard, and he does try really hard. And I do think, like, on the swole point, I will say I can see part of where it comes from because like you don't want to make the thing that Master P is the wrestler. Oh no, not at all. So so you you put in a guy that you think you can get to wrestle, but I would have picked Anyone out of the power plant or anyone already on the... Like, again, you're already associating Conan and Ray with them. That's like, enough.
2: That's good yeah, enough. That, 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 that's enough there. A hot WCW act. That's yeah. all that they need one
1: of, one of the best, like, you know, wrestlers of his generation, as we, we already mentioned and on Rey. the show. Like. <laughs> and, like, maybe one of the most over interviews. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's... Like, he's not worth a fuck in the ring, but, like, Conan, his promos get huge reactions mm-hmm. every time. And he, and he he was, like, deep into that culture. Like, he, he got it. Yeah. He understood it. Like, he could have been yeah. the guy to carry that whole thing. Yeah. He's one of those guys that, like, I think, if they had listened to him more during this period, like, they could have really carved out that, you know, that, like... Um, Latin American... Latin American yeah. audience that WWE would spend the next fifteen, twenty years chasing, chasing. Yeah. they could have been theirs uh, like a mortal lock, um, if there had been like more emphasis on luchadors. Oh, like, ble- more
2: late nineties was like the time for Latin American superstars in
1: America, like pop culture. Speaking of, while we're while we're on the lads here, isn't it very funny that since our last podcast, the LWO are back. <sighs> and are now joining the list uh, with the brood of acts that we're all now pretending were were around for a long time and over like how long on our say L- what like three weeks maybe before
2: Eddie's accident
1: Yeah. like let's all remember right the LWO were one a parody of an act that was already in the company that was already tired and long past its sell by date and two was basically just a holding pattern to keep the luchadors quiet. Like, the, keep yeah, the because doing something to shut them up. because they've been
2: speaking up about not wrestling guys outside of the division.
1: Yeah. And they don't stick around for that long at all. Yep. And now, I don't doubt that in the hands of somebody competent, the LWO is a great idea and could have been a thing but those great minds were not in WCW then and they're not no. in WWE now. No, they are not. And I also, I also think, and I don't know if this is a slightly controversial thing to say, Lee, so, like, stop me if you disagree or, or, or tell me if you see where I'm coming from here. Much as there are a lot of the men's careers that are intertwined with each other, I feel the level to which WWE hammer you over the head with Eddie stuff when Ray is involved... Is, not, is, like, is not fair to Ray. Like, like the thing about, like, he's in the LWO now, which, like, famously, if you remember the LWO, either watching it or when we covered it, the whole thing was, he didn't want to be in yes. the LWO, right? So, there's that. But there's also the thing of, like, it was Eddie's group. Yeah. And they're putting that on Ray now. And his whole... Royal Rumble Wrestlemania Win of the title And stuff like that Was all about Eddie And when he came out As much as it was A lovely moment In isolation When he came out At Wrestlemania They played Eddie's music And it's like I feel like sometimes The overdoing of that Takes away from his own career Takes away Mm -hmm. from Like It makes people think That he succeeds Because Eddie Yeah You know what I mean And now look I think that's unfair And like Eddie's one of my favourites Of all time And so is Ray it it um, doesn't help that like the Halloween Havoc
2: ninety seven match is undoubtedly one of the best North American pay-per-view matches of all yes, time. Undoubtedly.
1: undoubtedly. Well like I, I still remember and it still feels fresh in my mind that like Eddie dies at the end of 2005. Fucking tragic. One of the like the the bleakest um memories I ever have in wrestling. It was so fucking sad. But from that moment, through probably the end of two thousand and six, you could argue that Eddie Guerrero was the main character in WWE. Yeah.
2: Like I, I, like, I wrote a preview for our voice wrestling for WrestleMania, and I said it in the preview. I said the most over person in the match between Dominic and Ray will be Eddie Guerrero. Yeah.
1: And like I love, I totally get it from Ray's point of view that like Eddie was one of, if not his best yeah, friend, like literally like the brothers. He, he wants to keep the memory mm. alive and stuff like that. But I I just... I, I guess I worry sometimes that there there will be fans out there that, like, underrate... Instead of looking at Rey Mysterio
2: as a wrestler, they look at Rey Mysterio as Eddie Guerrero's
1: friend. Yeah. Now, I will say, it's not as... It doesn't feel as exploitive as 2006. No, the stuff and, they're, and, they're doing him recently. And look... Like, that was genuinely... Like disgusting, and I think it won Observer most disgusting. It, I think, I think, like I think it year. did, yeah. And look, yeah. we know that so you had Orton doing the Eddies in Hell yeah. promo, and like I think did
2: yeah, he's not. There, God, he's not there
1: he, there, he? He yeah. arc, he would him on the Lowrider, and you know. Um, and look, we we know that
2: Vicky made the choice that they wanted to stay involved in the business, and
1: yeah. fuck, don't talk to me. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not. I'm not last yeah,
2: last and the family were, you know, all behind the whole idea of Ray using Eddie's name as a storyline device, shall we say? Yeah, yeah.
1: <clears throat> and chat, and I'm sure again, Eddie, ever the worker, would probably would have been yeah, fine with and, it himself. And that's the thing, and that's what it always comes back to
2: you. Have to remember these guys; they're all workers, and yeah, if they think they're going to be able to help a friend in debt, they would probably all agree to it.
1: Um, but that's, that again Is is not what we're saying Do you know what I mean Like no. that's Like I'm not saying I'm not trying to defend Eddie on his behalf and he's not here <laughs> No or no not at all like Not that. at all Yeah um, I, Like I, I just think It's a thing where I think sometimes It's laid on I, I too I just thick. worry that With yeah. a certain Small percentage of people Ray's legacy gets lost Yeah I agree Um, But yeah that, That's that But um, on the How do we deviate From the press conference To that um, Oh So, in the press conference, Conan was annoying the shit out of me, because uh, Eric Bischoff is trying to very sternly, (laughs) yeah, he's very sternly trying to read out Masterpiece accolades. But Conan, one, won't stop moving, and two, won't stop hitting the table, like he's wrapping the table, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's, it's... Including the microphone, like you can't really hear what Bischoff is trying to say because he keeps like tapping. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to do it. I was thinking about doing it to replicate it. And I was like, I wouldn't annoy people listening. Cause it's like already when we hit the microphones accidentally, it's annoying enough for people. I'm sure. Um, yeah, fucking hell. Um, Master P, I did love when he was doing his promo. Completely blanked on Kurt Hennig's name. There's a moment where he got oh with, yeah, I got involved with another wrestler. Yeah, yeah, I got involved with. Long pause, another wrestler, (laughs) uh, which is good. Um, (laughs) He does seem to be delighted to be involved in wrestling, as we said. Uh, Rey Mysterio, the piss yellow sunglasses, uh, not a great choice, mate. Um, But they really are, like, and I'm sure it was a thing of the deal, like, they're they're really pushing the, like, positive mindset and Mm -hmm. philosophy of the No Limit Soldiers. Um, And it, like... It's weird for the time. A company that in short order would be repeatedly accused on a legal basis of institutional racism. Um, being really progressive about Latino and hip-hop culture in this one angle is kind of wild. Um, it's, it's mad how quickly things change, isn't it? Um, we're then off to Nitro again. And it's Ray and Conan versus Seacosis and La Parca with the No Limit Soldiers in the corner. Uh, Conan and Ray Hit their big moves And get the double pin Uh, The No Limit Soldiers Come in to celebrate But the Rednecks Hijack the sound system And play their song Um, And then The No Limit Soldiers Chase them off And Master uh, Masterpiece says You still want Beef Cowboy Because we're going to get rowdy And the crowd Don't react hugely to this But I thought it was A clever device To get the No Limit Soldiers At the sound system To start playing their tunes Mm -hmm. Going into the break so I thought that was, like, they obviously reverse-engineered. Is like, we want them to take over the tunes. How are we going to get there? Um, I thought the crowd didn't buy into it at all. Like, Master P yeah.
2: is on the mic singing his Hootie uh, Hoo" whatever song that yeah. is. and um,
1: Yeah, the, the fans weren't getting into it. And I thought
2: Master P was getting slightly annoyed at the, that the fans weren't yeah. buying into it. Yeah,
1: he repeats himself, like, two or three times. Yeah, um, poor guy. He is trying, like we said. He is. He well, is uh, trying. Yeah, they're not having a... Um, Next up, you want to talk about foreboding uh, signs, Lee. Uh, the advertising, uh, the closed captioning on this program is sponsored by America Online. Can't imagine WCW and AOL are ever going to come up together in conversation again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> our next match is Evan Courageous versus the returning flat pack Sovereign. It's Prince Ikea. Um, Taney says, two of the young lions of WCW in this match. Prince Ikea has been around for fucking ages, man. Yeah, at least, at least like,
2: 97, if not 96. Like, he may
1: still be young, but he is not, like, a young lion in terms of, like, being a fresh, like, wet behind the ears. Like, he still wrestles like he's fresh, wet behind the ears rookie, but, like... He was TV champ. Uh, this guy's been around for fucking yonks, like. He's been killed three different times over since we started Thunder. He's
2: gone at least three long injury absences since we started the show. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I fucking... I I have to say, this match was just
1: a total nutty. This was one of those where... Now, you could tell that, right? So, Courageous is fairly new on the scene. mm mm-hmm. uh, And Ikea is, like... He's the relative veteran, so he's leading the match. And you can tell this is a phenomenal misreading of what the room needed in this. Like, you should have... If, if I'm the veteran in there, I'm letting Courageous do all his dynamic, fast-paced stuff bumping around from making him look like a million dollars but what we get is he's all action for a couple of seconds and then we go through a break and Ikea has the heat and he grinds this match to a fucking halt mm-hmm. like it was so quiet Like so he gets a chin lock a few seconds after the break and it is so quiet if you turned up the TV a little bit you could probably hear individual people breathing <laughs> in the crowd <laughs> you know uh,
2: listen I'm gonna be watching the Masters all weekend if I hear the crowd that quiet I'll be disappointed
1: yeah it was fucking shocking and then uh Kray just goes outside the ring Ikea to slow down the pace even more tries to do the thing where he's like stopping courageous from getting back in the ring and then they try to burr all around on the outside to get the crowd back but they are just dead 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 uh, Evan tries to come back and he gets cut off prince whips him back in the ring uh, shoulders in the corner and just as you think like okay things are starting to pick up again he slaps on another chin lock and everybody is so like gone at this point and out of the match that like Evan tries the like and people like I've, I've heard people like react like not superstar reaction but people react to like the, the handsome young baby face Evan Courageous and like he tries the valiant fight out of the chin lock and you know trying to wave to the crowd and get them going and absolutely no response and then Prince puts him down again and like at this point I, I, I wrote down like I've never seen a WCW crowd react this little this consistently across the show wait, wait till the artist um, arrives yeah uh, Courageous tries a small package gets kicked out uh, Ikea gets a bit of fireman's carry Courageous slips out rolls him up uh, for the win and hardly anyone even nobody noticed no. yeah that that's exactly what I have nobody cared now, what I will say is that at least the Milky Way replay showed uh, what was the only good move of the match. Because, like, as soon as the replay came up, I was like, what the fuck are they even going to show for this apart from the pin? And they did show that Evan Courageous, and I don't know if we've mentioned it on this show before, but he's definitely hit it in another match maybe too. Uh, he hits a lovely power slam. He does. He's got good mm-hmm. snap. I like, it's not Orton Levels a snap on a power slam, but it, or, uh, like, or Dustin. Uh, Dustin Rhodes. But it's a it's a fucking good looking power slam. So you know, fair play to him on that. Um, um, my my biggest takeaway is I was reminded that the Milky Way in America is different to
2: the Milky Way we have.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, how would you describe the Milky Way we have here? It's like the like it's it's chocolate, but like the the whole bar is just like the world's softest nougat. Yeah, it's it's yeah that
2: that's probably pretty accurate. Um, whereas yeah. there seems to be a, an
1: actual chocolate bar. Yeah. It seems to be closer to, like, there's more chocolate involved. And also, if I remember from when I've had American Milky Ways on my travels there, the consistency is more akin to a Mars bar. That That's what I was going to say. Is it is it, like, Mars bar-esque? That's... There's, it feels like there's more bite to the american ones than they're like it's like you're eating a cloud the milky way is over here i don't know they're
2: they're they're like a a baby's chocolate bar over here yeah
1: yeah, they're yeah they're pretty much one of the ones you give kids first Mm -hmm. because like they're so soft they can't fucking choke on them um yeah interesting um (laughs) our next up is i'm now hungry um Tag team matchup next, and it's the first families Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart versus Leparka and Silver King. By little bit of giddiness that we were getting, oh, I I'm just got to say that I was so excited when Leparka and Silver King came out, and then these two fucks <laughs> come out to wrestle them. Um, I will say, you know, talk about signs of what we know is coming in terms of 1999 WCW. During the entrances here, Today makes mention of two things that are coming up. One is the Nitro Musical Summer, where they're going to have uh, musical guests every week through the summer on Nitro, uh, which is fairly infamous mm-hmm. for several reasons we will get into. Uh, and also, guess who's re signed? Dennis Rodman, who'll be having, I believe, his last matches at Road Wild this I'm year. Pretty sure it's Road Wild 99, yeah. Has his final WCW match, which we will unfortunately be covering. Um. so they're talking about the Steiners as well during the entrances uh, Larry very melodramatically says Sting could have literally been torn to shreds I couldn't remember I had already memory hold because it's been so many weeks since we did Great American Bash the horrific <laughs> dog mauling angle that happened on Great American Bash holy shit it all came roaring back to me when he said literally torn to shreds yeah that towel that was around, that was like three inches thick around his fist, really took a pounding from that probably toothless dog. <laughs> uh, um, I could, right, okay, I, I forgot I wrote this. This is how, I'm just going to read this sentence I wrote in my notes verbatim when this match started. This is how mad I was that Silver King was being wasted again. They brawl immediately because these two pasty fat dipshits can't do anything else. <laughs>
2: It's an extremely harsh criticism of Ella Parker and Silver King.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I was talking about. <laughs> they,
2: they was uh, anti-Mexican. Um,
1: oh my God! <laughs>
2: agenda again?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not having. I'm not having this because I'm not having listeners either. Like, start to like go in on that joke with you, or. Um, I'm also not having, like, if somebody hasn't listened to us in a while, it's like, oh, I'm just going to listen to the latest episode. And, like, Lee's just like, oh, yeah, no, he hates luchadors. It's like, no, you're not russifying. I I will not have it. I will not have it, sir.
2: (laughs) I have to say, if there's one thing we have been um, pretty consistent on, it's that I'm very much into the luchadors and you are not. And... And we... We have been begging for more Silver King and La Parca on the show.
1: Oh, uh, we love both particularly Silver, Silver King, King is like it like an
2: unsung hero to us sort of.
1: At, at least we know that like La Parca is featured fairly regularly through the end of WCW. Mm. But like Silver King is just like blink and you'll miss him. He shows up once every three months. Like Yeah. Uh oh. um So, uh, both luchadors come in. Morris ducks a Leparca clothesline, which takes out Silver King. Uh, in, throwing shitty-looking punches at both men. Uh, so far, pretty much a squash for the first family, which I'm not happy about. Um, God bless Silver King. There's a bit where the heels are beating on Leparca, and Silver King is trying his living fucking best on the apron to get this crowd Mm -hmm. to react to anything, and it's just not happening. Um... Jimmy starts distracting the ref, but completely forgot where he was supposed to stand to distract the ref, so he has to, like, run around the... He has to, like... He's up in the apron, then realizes he's in the wrong That's spot. Run around. Drops down to the floor, runs around to distract him from another spot. Um, Nobs then hits Parka with a chair, then Silver King in the back when he's running the ropes. Nobbs comes in now, hits a hideous pump handle What slam. the fuck was he doing? Yeah. Dion, it was like... It was like he was on the mat, holding him like at WrestleMania. Uh, Becky Lynch doing the uh, the top rope manhandle yeah, yeah, yeah. slam, where like she was really gingerly doing it so as not to drop. Was it Dakota or Bailey? Bailey, was was Bailey, Bailey, yeah, yeah, not to drop Bailey. Um, but like they were up on the ropes, not standing, feet planted on the mat, um, and like Knobs just like nearly lost him on it, uh, and then he tags in. No laughing matter. Uh, and that's the win. This is followed up by a terrible promo into the camera uh, inviting anybody in the back to come walk down Nasty Boulevard and then get Nasty-sized. which is Just like it's, it's not happening, mate. And then Hugh Morris takes over and just as he's about to deliver his punchline um where he's like it's something about how it's no laugh it's something about how oh that they'll have the last laugh yeah. literally as he's about to say last laugh they cut him off rightly so <laughs> they I'm go to the so. yeah um, this is a bad match play. that was awful and
2: uh, of course you'll put the blame on Silver King and Leperca, but we,
1: we all know the first family are nope. the first family are DOA um, yeah this is, I think, the third time they've tried to reform the First Family, even just in our room. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the best... Has never been good? The best
2: one was where Jimmy reunited Meng and Barbarian after they had just feuded three weeks previous. And yeah. then, of course, the Barbarian and Jimmy turned on Meng after two weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Classic. Great. Classic. Great. Great uh, First Family lore. But you know what? Speaking of the First Family, if you didn't have enough of the First Family the main event already uh, sort of it's Barbarian with Jimmy Hart versus Booker T in what is I must remind you a martial arts division title match uh, as Booker is our reigning is mad champion I forgot yes oh yeah that's right he yeah. beat Scott Steiner yeah yeah yeah. and this is what I was like this company hates Booker this is his first match yeah, back. The, and it's okay, like, that, that, you need to go out for 11 minutes and pull something out of this guy. That was going to
2: be my takeaway. Like, why are you giving Booker, like, who you, they've done a solid job of pushing, like, relatively pushing. Yeah. Um, why do you give him... a yeah, Big caveat there. First of all, his big return on a tape thunder. And
1: yeah. two, why are you putting him out there with And do you know what? This isn't even the first time that Booker's return is on a thunder. And that's fine. Like... Look, you, you can get beyond
2: that. But why are you putting them in there with Barb? You are not getting something out of Barb in
1: nineteen ninety nine. No. I I would argue at any stage. Ah, the, look,
2: yes, I, 1990- I've I was also up with Barb. Barb Barb could have a decent match at times.
1: Right so <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Booker gets the, the biggest reaction on the show by a mile, but it's still, like you had said earlier on, it's still muted. Yeah, it,
2: it's like, nowhere, it's still not, nowhere near the levels you would expect first.
1: Especially because if you think about it, like no one says anything in the arena. So this is an unannounced return, mm-hmm. which should get a monster pop because he's very popular, but it doesn't because they're dead. Um, Maybe the most haunting sign I've seen in a long time in the crowd on the hard cam here a a large gentleman with a sign saying WCW rocks my panties let that one fester
2: oh <laughs> if I did it again in the <laughs> what? in the Patreon uh, no I sent out earlier on um, I got the year wrong on Backlash
1: oh my god so did somebody jump to correct you yeah suit good <laughs> Good. (laughs) It's not Backlash 08, it's Backlash 02. How do you keep doing that? I don't
2: know. I I really need to write this shit down.
1: Yeah, yeah, or we're going to end up with another fucking Starcade situation.
2: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I definitely
1: don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Um... It's wild. Like this is I'd written this down. Like it's wild how hard they're pushing the old guys versus the young guys so hard on this show. Because do you know what Penny dropped with me? It's like this is such an unimaginative company, Lee. Because what are they doing a year from now?
2: Oh, it's. Uh, I brought this up. Yeah, it's the, it's just like the early Millionaires Club versus new blood.
1: Yeah, and at least this time I will say that the young guys are the baby faces, which is yes. correct. But I. worry yeah, about
2: this? The fact that they tried it the year previous and it didn't work,
1: and they do it again. And I go. Do you know what the problem it was, was? Yeah, it was the wrong dynamics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God. Um, Booker got a flying start here. Uh, Barb is distressed and goes out to get instruction from Jimmy. Uh, heat on Barb doesn't last long. Uh, Booker hits a hook kick. Uh, Barb bails again to confer with Jimmy, uh, but Booker runs out, does not a noggin knocker with the two of them. Uh, Booker is teeing off in the corner against Barb. Oi, oi. Uh, whip reverse, but Booker gets a big boot up. Barb shakes it off and throws a German suplex. Uh, Booker fires up, a sidewalk slam, spin rooney and a side kick. He starts to go for the axe kick, but Jimmy grabs his foot as he's coming off the ropes. Uh, big boot causes Book to spill outside. Couple of pin attempts once he gets back in. Uh, corner splash, uh, a whip. Uh, Booker then... As Barb is charging into the corner, does his cool, he's done this before, where he like vaults out of the corner with a twisting roll-up over Barb and wins. And again, almost no reaction to this.
2: Yeah, the flash pin wasn't the way you needed to bring Booker back. Um, I get maybe if you want to try and establish it as a thing he does, that's fine. It's actually something that Booker does throughout his career where he seems to use this for a couple of weeks on the spin and then just forgets about it again. Because I'm pretty sure he did it in WWE, or WWE, WWE a couple of times as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, fucking not a good match to return on. I'm worried for where Booker is going and, oh, know. and the reactions that he's getting at this point. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, it's, it's not going to get good for a little bit.
1: No, and like we've said it before, like imagine if you had maintained some of the momentum he had earlier in this year and just put the title on him some point this year. Mm-hmm. You would have made a star. Mm-hmm. An absolute star. The fact that he went on to have such a successful career in spite of what they would do to him yes. for a lot of the, the death-rattle era of this company is like testament to how good that guy was. Um, But yeah, that ends... I don't know if you were like doing the calculations here Lee but I was like the main event is over and I'm looking at my ticker here on the network and there's 34 minutes left it's on that this program
2: was left I yes. knew it was a long time but I, I didn't like exactly time it
1: I was flabbergasted because I immediately knew why I was like we're just gonna be showing a whole bunch of nitro from this point and you know what son of a bitch that's what they did uh, so, first we get a Nash versus Macho still image recap of their match at the pay-per-view. Uh, we cut to Nitro, and Nash calls out Sid Vicious. Now, much to your point about how great Sid is, Sid cuts a great oh, promo so backstage accepting so the challenge.
2: Good. The camera's pointing it's up got, at him. It's fucking... Yeah,
1: it, it makes him look enormous. It makes him look scary. It's got all the Sid intensity, and rarely for him it makes sense
2: yeah oh it's so good he's like yeah I, I know Kevin Nash real well I knew which buttons to push yeah. and now you've offered me a title yeah. match I'm yeah I have you big yeah. man
1: yeah he's bragging that he knew that by you know getting into bed with Savage and doing that at the pay-per-view he would get a shot at the title so he's like he's absolutely loving he, he's life he's playing 40
2: chess here yeah
1: yeah cut to later and Nash in a tie-dye NWO f- shirt yeah i want it i don't remember this shirt at all
2: though. i think it looks awesome
1: yeah it's weird uh he looks like fucking van hammer um he's getting beaten down by sid and savage as Macho takes out nick patrick sting comes out to clear house and you remember when sting comes out this is what a crowd popping sounds like <laughs> i hadn't heard it all night uh, I, I don't and think
2: sting was actually coming out to save Nash. i think he was still just running from the dogs
1: yeah, he was, yeah. He actually looked great for a man who had Savaged, been as... Like, yeah. uh, he did torn to shreds, <laughs> I think you'll find. Torn to shreds, you say.
2: It's amazing that his feud with the Steiners is now just over.
1: Yeah, that it's just over. He got eaten by a dog, that's it. Um, And this is where I notice Bischoff is just on commentary again. Uh, then we go the next segment and the final segment of the show and this is like when you knew and I tweet this this is how you know they were fucking phoning in that thunder before the pay-per-view is that the final segment on this thunder is an entire nitro match with entrances yes.
2: um, look, um, I don't think we need to go move move by move through this match it's a nitro match it's no, not a but I,
1: match. so match so it's an 8 man match that pitches Flair, Piper, Page and Canyon Versus the team I am calling the Bizarro Radicals, uh, Malenko, Benoit, Saturn, and Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're, what do you think of this? we're right
2: on, on, right on the on the cusp of the revolution.
1: Yes. Yes, we are.
2: And Bagwell just does not fit with that aesthetic. Like no. e- even down to the point of Malenko, Saturn, and Benoit are all in their blue, blue gear. And here you have mm-hmm. Buff coming out in his red fucking Buff Bagwell So And it, it's, yeah, it's just like you can, subtle things like that.
1: You can tell it's starting to come together for them. As a Yoni, yeah. And, yeah, and Buff is just here also. Yeah, and it's very much Buff is the guy <laughs> the know. office
2: wants to push.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, what did you think of this match? Because I thought this was like, it's not on the standard of, you know, like it's around this time that Raw starts getting the... The, like the notorious habit for it. like once it's a six yeah. man or higher, it's gonna be good. It wasn't quite at that level, but I thought it was decent fun. All action, I, I,
2: do you know what? I thought it was oddly coherent and decent enough yeah. wrestling. Um, and and, and, and you know, you know I, they, I'd they, say they, they in put no small part to shine on the young sorry. guys, and that's the yeah. most important part.
1: That's what I was going to say. In no small part, it's due to the fact that the centerpiece of this match, the person that the whole match was hung up on, was Chris Benoit.
2: (laughs) And it's amazing. I do the exact same note of Benoit carried all of the work for his team when he probably didn't need to. But it's like the respect that basically the the opposition team have for him Mm. meant that even when they were getting the heat on him, he was still getting the shine. Um, Mm. I just think it's eye-opening when you see them in the ring together, that WCW wanted to push Buff Bagwell, but Chris Benoit was right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you know what actually staggered me? Is the finish of this match. Because it was well done? So it was well done, but it all breaks down and everybody's outside and Buff takes a nasty spill on the apron to the Mm -hmm. floor um that the camera nearly completely missed but then he comes back in hits his blockbuster on flair and pins flair clean mm-hmm. which is like such a rarity like a young guy pinning rick flair clean on television that's what i mean they they like buff
2: was the guy they wanted to push as the next big baby face
1: yeah They they did like a like a pretty decent job mm-hmm. here. There was there was also I would like to mention a, a fairly fun spot where all four baby faces got yeah, the yeah, four yeah. heels in figure fours, um, uh, and it was good because what that did was it distracted the ref um, away from Benoit because he was looking at the other three figure fours, and Bammer was able to come in and drop a leg on the, on the legal on team. on yeah. Ben, but I think yeah. Benoit had that on Flair. Yeah, so that made that made a good bit of sense as to how he managed to get in there. So I thought that was well thought out. But yeah, all action, so enjoyable. I thought. Yeah, pretty decent for a a nitro match at that point. Yeah, uh, it was refreshing after that stinker of a mm-hmm. thunder. Um. So yeah, that uh, is the second ending to Thunder episode sixty-seven. <laughs> we had the end of the actual Thunder portion. Now we have the end of the broadcast portion, um, with the the clean pin on Flair. Uh Lee, who are your big winners and losers on Thunder episode sixty-seven? Um and yeah, your overall thoughts. Uh I
2: wasn't aware coming in that it was the second part of a pre-pay-per view taping with that knowledge now. Makes a lot, it more, makes sense, a lot more sense. sense. Um <sighs> I don't know that there was a winner on the show from any of the five matches that were actually Thunder matches. Um I'm going to say Buff Bagwell is the big winner because from the the package early on the show to then the show ending with him. So, like, obviously they ended Nitro with Buff Pin and Flair. They've ended Thunder mm-hmm. with Buff pinning Flair. They're making a big deal of yeah. it. But, look, you might not like the direction, but
1: they they are trying with Buff. So... Yeah, you might not like who they picked to pin yeah. Flair, but, like, they're going with it for at least... So a you got to give them credit there. Um... You do in fact gotta <laughs> hand it to them. You don't gotta hand it
2: to ISIS but you do in fact have to hand it to WCW here. Um yeah. Losers, I dunno, I think IKEA looked awful in his match. Scotty Riggs looked fucking terrible. Um Dobbs and Morris and Barb, just the first family in general, are fucking dead. So I just no interest in them. And poor Booker. Was that just poor Booker? I'm feeling that's going to be yeah. a real team going forward. Is man poor boy, poor, poor guy.
1: This the stuff he's been stuck with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our finish counter, brought to you by Ludwig Borger gives us five matches with four clean finishes and one interference leading directly to a finish. Thank you all so much for tuning back into the return of Days of Thunder. Uh, we shall see you again on the free feed in two weeks with the Knights of Nitro special. In the meantime, Lee, we're going to have two TRL specials. Uh, behind the paywall at a large manapears.com that's the series where if you p- if you pledge at the TRL tier on our Patreon you get to request a show for us to watch and what are the two that are coming up very soon so
2: coming up in the next 7 days we will have a special TRL Days of Thunder at the Movies episode where we will be watching Rumble in the Bronx or will have watched and will be reviewing Rumble in the Bronx and then mm-hmm. secondly this day next week we will have the release of the next TRL episode, which is covering Backlash 02. Not wait, Dave. Yeah. Backlash 02, <laughs> which uh, Sue has reminded me for the very reason of some mid-card NWO. So, Sue was Great. definitely not into the NWO B-team in 1999. Otherwise, no. he would have got his skill um, of mid-card NWO
1: so that's some good stuff also uh we will have returning soon i think we are fairly committed to it now uh we did a trl on it but we are going to be doing a mini series recapping the cult classic tv series wmac masters we had such a blast doing the first three episodes that we will return very very soon Mm -hmm. with our second batch of episodes on that so all that and more for five Europeans over at largemanappears.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Days of Thunder. We shall see you again very soon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the link tree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts and you can shake a stick at. Thanks.
0: I'm Case Slow, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.